BB. <laughs> Brandon, pronounce your last name for me. Brudemeyer. BB. <laughs> I'm just we're gonna stick with that. There's so a reason why it, names. There's a reason why it goes that way. Like yeah. is it Brandon Meyer? Bredemeyer. Bredemeyer. Yeah. Like bread. Yeah. And Meyer. Meyer. Bredemeyer. I'll probably remember it now. So where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Midland? I grew up in Midland, Odessa, yeah. In so um, you know, did you go go off anywhere to go to college or anything like that? Or went to a little uh ag school just east of here, Angelo State. Oh well, yeah. There's a lot of, well, even people that we've had in from Houston went to Angelo. I didn't realize it was so I didn't realize it was so freaking popular, you know, which you know, I don't I'm not a college. Don't know guy. anything. <laughs> I mean I don't but anyways, I digress. Uh so at what point did you start hunting? Oh man, I started with my dad when I was probably going to blind with him at three years old. Did y'all were y'all like primarily a bird hunting family or, you know, just all hunting? All hunting. I mean, we grew up doing some bird hunting and things like that too. But I mean, that, that's really where it took off for me. I really started with the shotguns and the, and the bird hunting as I, you know, aged and hunted on my own and things like mm -hmm. that. But, uh, but again, I, you know, I always like to hunt everything. I mean, right. So did you do, get any get into any kind of like 4-H shooting in mm -hmm. high school or anything like that? Is that where the shotgun stuff really started taking off or? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, just like most kids, you're, you're doing all these activities and everything and your parents go, okay, we got to slow down. You get to pick two things you want to do. So, right. So in 4-H, I, I did just the rifle and mm -hmm. then I did, uh, baseball and tennis were my, my other two sports. So when did, so would you say, I mean, I feel like we, I forgot to mention this. What podcast was that? It was like four. Is it twenty one or twenty two? Maybe September first one. Yeah, I can tell you like five seconds. Yeah, do, yeah. It was episode what? Get a second here. <laughs> you said five seconds. Oh, nailed it. Twenty one episode for people who may not follow. Episode twenty one. We had our shotgun gurus BB and AA in here, and eventually we're gonna have Aaron back, but we got Brandon back, so. I probably should have prefaced that earlier, but anyways, is you know trying to let people know why we're talking about shotguns so much. At what point did so? Would you say the shotguns are like your favorite thing to do? For sure. At what point did you like start doing that? And like, was it kind of like a I'm pretty good at this, or was it a this is kind of challenging? That's kind of what led you down that road. It's hard to say. I mean. I enjoyed shooting the rifle stuff, but at some point for me, it got very repetitive on shooting a target with a right. rifle. Um, with the bird herring aspect and the shotgun side of it, there was always something moving, and it just seemed like more activity to me. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I kind of migrated towards that. Um, but again, I mean, it, I really didn't get back into the shotgun stuff until you know junior, senior year of high school, and then into college, I started shooting a lot more again. But uh, took me a long time to get those those wheels back that i had when i was younger <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i was <clears throat> during uh we never did a dove season opener oh te recap. hashtag texas dove mafia <laughs> it's oh yeah a lot of things have taken place since the last time he was here uh wade's you know. basically the uh, god's gift to bird hunting we, we <laughs> I mean, so i hate i missed that thanks <laughs> for the invite what, that's what i figured aaron would have just invited you 
But anyways. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. Well, you know, obviously, uh, shout out to uh, Tim Dubes and yeah. Mark Healy. Other Team DP. Yeah, Team DP. <laughs> so, like I was telling Aaron, like, I used to shoot a lot of shotgun back in the day, and then it's been a long time since I picked one up, and out there, opening morning, I know this is hard to believe, but I couldn't hit shit. <laughs> but as... As we kept continue on and on and on, it started coming back a little bit more, which it took a a lot of freaking ammo. So you went through a flat that first day, yes, and probably killed four birds. What's What's funny is like you know guys like Aaron and I, and Aaron might not have as much of a problem as I do, but it seems like the first day is always the hardest. You're shooting so far in front of everything; yeah. it's just. Well, here's the funniest part about all of it, is because we hunted like a good four or five days there. I just wanted dub bait in the freezer. Uh, every once in a while, because we're standing on the clay field most of the time, or one of the what is that a five cent? Yeah, it's five yeah, stand five field. Cent. Every once in a while, I'm like, "Those up." All the way through all of that, as I even as I started progressively shooting birds more and more, like live birds, I still have yet to hit a goddamn clay target. <laughs> I mean, there one day, which it'd be like five here, five there, one here, you know, shit like that. But then, like, the last, I think it was the last day was there, maybe. I don't remember. You were doing decent that last There was, day. we pulled so many clay birds. Because we had a new shooter with us, letting him practice. I yet to fucking hit one. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And I'll just keep telling Aaron, like, you know, next season, we need to, you know, prepare a little bit earlier and all that. Because, I mean, wintertime, I've got other, like, more important shit, like killing furry animals. <laughs> I just I want to point out, I pulled out my shotgun. Hit all the clays, smoked a bunch of birds. There was a couple birds that weren't dove um, by accident because I don't. He just told me, "Look, it's a dove," and I just <laughs> snapshotted him. But uh, you suck. I'm better than you. That's not true at all. The running joke, though, Aaron was over there just smoking everything, like massacring, laying waste. And every time he hit one, everybody'd be like, "Great job, great shot, Wade." <laughs> and the, he was getting like visibly frustrated. You get the so the competitive side of Aaron come start coming out, and. That, you know, it's like you didn't even shoot your gun. Yeah, a lot of times I won't even be holding my gun up. <laughs> but you know, when I see that, I'm just like, it's blood in the water. I'm a shark. And like I see it's kind of getting to it, like someone calling its hits and shit. So then at that point, I'm just like, hey, say this next time he shoots. So <laughs> well, really, what happened? It was it was me and Wade and some other salty guys who who didn't belong behind a shotgun. We all kind of congregated up 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 river from everybody. And we're just talking shit. Yeah. And uh, Aaron was with all like the, uh, I guess like the, the typical dove hunters, the yeah. rich white people. And uh, <laughs> he was like, he was like, he was showing off for them. So we just started just, oh, we were just massive. Man, shit Aaron, that's a terrible shot. Yeah, what are you doing? Wait. Are you wasting your ammo? But It was a good time uh, for sure. But enough about, you know, Texas dove mafia. <laughs> Which... By the way, is a thing now. <laughs> I'll, I'll put the movie poster on the right about here. Uh, back to you. Throughout college, you start getting into the shot, the wing shooting. Do you all call it wing shooting or just shotgun shooting or wing shooting, upland, I'm, whatever? I'm sure, like it's sporting, like clays. everything else, yeah. like the, you call it proper, or else someone in the comments I'm like, "Wait, don't even know what he's talking about." Well, I he, don't. He doesn't. Uh, Let's refer to it as shotgun sports. <laughs> shotgun sports. I like shotgunning. <laughs> uh, so, you know, through college, you start getting real into it. Did you start? 
did you start like getting competitive going to shooting some competition and stuff like that how did that transpire well unfortunately in college i was broke so i was trying to shoot <laughs> as many deer as i could to stay alive yeah but uh once i got out of college is really where i started getting a lot more competitive and traveling and and things like that but you know oddly enough like you may you may get into this later but like during the during the same time frame is really when i started to uh do a lot more coyote calling and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so i did that for probably eight years straight just that's all i wanted to do yeah oh yeah i mean when usually when people get bent by the buck now were you shotgun a lot or you using your rifle rifle that's it's it seems like people are really into the you know wing shooting or shotgun sports don't usually use a shotgun a lot on the predator hunt like all the people that i've talked to which there's you know some people just fanatics about shotguns but majority of people i talk to are into shotgun sports don't normally use it very often on the goddamn coyote stuff which is strange which it is kind of a it's your facebook dude don't blame me (laughs) it is kind of a uh Yeah, if it's close, it's kind of like shooting birds. But when you go to patterning shotguns for long range, it becomes more of a, almost like shooting a rifle type event. Like you're really drawing a beat on shit if you've taken time to pattern it really well. Right. So it's kind of, I guess it'd be kind of like a little bit different situation as opposed to wing shooting, mm-hmm. I, would, I would suppose. So... When did, hmm, when did the SCI stuff come into play? I went to my first event here locally. Um, it was probably maybe 2007 or eight. And, uh, so that was my, really my first exposure to, uh, hunting abroad and the opportunities that, that were available. So, uh, that's where I really got bit. It was something that I always wanted to do and I knew I wanted to do, right. but truly thought it was something that was, right. that was beyond my capabilities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, financially. So for the, like, surely everyone knows what, what it, what it is, but what is SCI? So Safari club international has uh, three branches that they live by and it's uh, humanitarian efforts, um, education, uh, conservation, and then they have the legislative lobbyist mm-hmm. governmental affairs division of it. So, um, SCI, uh, with their governmental affairs is one of really two organizations that has a full-time presence in Washington, DC. Uh, one of those being the NRA and then Safari club international. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those two organizations do overlap on a lot of legislative es- efforts. Um, but when it comes to primarily hunting legislation, SCI is typically the only one or the forefront of that. Other organizations may may support it, their, their efforts and everything, but uh, but SCI is usually the one that's that's taking right. the fight to them. And you know, for people that don't know, and I I really don't know that much about it, but I do know as it pertains to legislation, like rules, laws, and all that shit the reason for lobbyists is to get shit done exactly you know if in uh people like sci uh are the ones that are actually doing put in the work to make sure we can still hunt you know 
Exactly. Uh, kind of a really short side of that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but, you know, there's going to be people out there that don't understand lobbyists and all that stuff. It's highly important, you know, exactly. to have... A lot of the real business gets done on stuff that's that's not yes. in session. Yeah. Outside of session. So I, I have a quick question on that real real fast. Is there a lot of like proposed things to kind of go after, you know, African hunting and stuff? Is there any Absolutely. So there's just um, constant there. Yeah, and it and it comes from the state level and, and our governmental level. The good thing is 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 a lot of the things that were proposed that prevented a lot of a lot of the importation of trophies from Africa. Uh, has has started to lax. They've been fighting this uh, even into the the previous uh, uh, presidential uh, uh, or the previous president. Uh, so they've been they've been working on this for about six years now, and they've finally started to process some of that paperwork to get some of those trophies imported back into the state. So this is stuff that all kind of goes on behind the scenes that that you don't hear about in the in the in the news or anything like that. Right. But so you went. What, what year did you say that was? When you like went? 07, 08. So you attended like, what, just an event? Mm-hmm. Like, well, here in Midland? Or? Yeah, it was a local local uh, Midland Odessa chapter. And as far as, like, how did that go? Did, did you, like, is it just a mating? You know, what, this could be a totally loaded question. What, other than, like, the three main components you described, Say I want to, I'm curious about going on safari. Number one, would you highly recommend joining SCI? Uh, I would say if if you enjoy hunting, you need to be a member of SCI, regardless of whatever it is. If you're hunting rabbits in, in North Georgia or Tennessee, you probably need to be a member of SCI. Um, but I would say the same thing when it comes to firearms, if 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 you like firearms and your second amendment rights, you probably need to be a member of the NRA. Right. And most people are. So it's not just for people wanting to go on safari. Absolutely not. And I, and I think that, that that was the unfortunate thing about safari club international is, is the name. And that's the recognition that people set like think of when they see it. That's what I've always thought. It, it's I always just kind of thought it was, here was my, perception just because i never looked into it and i heard you know just people talking people talking this is what i thought like oh safari club international is probably just uh a group of people who put hunters and uh outfitters outfitters together for africa because it's safari club international what so what exactly does it all entail uh so our chapter here locally is it's called the West Texas chapter. Um, we are actually a SCI foundation chapter, meaning that, uh, that we have the three pillars, which is just the humanitarian education and conservation piece. So we do not have the, the governmental affairs portion of it. Um, so that makes us the, the full blown 501 C three. Now the, the other chapters, uh, are some of the chapters that have weren't grandfathered into that, do have the legislative piece. So they're a C4 chapter. Um, so here, here locally, kind of the way that, that we operate as a, as an independent chapter, um, we'll have one major fundraising event a year and that's our January event. We usually follow 
we're usually set up the second weekend in January and follow Dallas Safari Club, uh, their event. So when that happens, we have a lot of the outfitters that are at that event come to our show here. Right. So like last year, I think we had, or what well, was this year, January this year, we had like 67 outfitters that were, that were at our show. Mm-hmm. And they were from all over the world, all walks of life. So uh, it was it was a good event. I think our best event so far. So when you obviously SCI has a website, does SCI West Texas have a website, uh, separate website, or you kind of go through the same one? Or we do. We have we have our own separate website. Uh, don't quote me on it because I, I can't remember the address. <laughs> but if you Google West Texas Safari Club International, right. it comes up. Uh, most of our information is is um, released through Facebook and through uh, Instagram. So we're on both of those, those sites. So when you, back when you attended this, you know, SCI meeting, uh, where did, where did you go next from there? Like, uh, obviously you probably had your eyes open to a lot of stuff. Did you automatically go, go, you know, backpack in Africa or, you know, how did, how did all this transpire? So I think the first time I went to the, and, and it, what it was, was it was a banquet event and auction, you know, and they mm-hmm. had some outfitters there and I walked around and talked to people and just kind of got my feet wet. And that's where I was, you know, really surprised at, at how reasonable a lot of the, the hunts right. were. I mean, yeah. it, I was, I was taken back. I thought it was going to be way out of reach. Right. And, uh, the next year we, we bought a table as well went to the event and then we actually bought uh, a uh, South African safari on auction. And so that was, that year was the first year that I went. I think that was, I think it was 08 or 09 that year that we went on our first one. How was that? It was incredible. I mean, just the amount, (laughs) the amount of game that you see uh, is, is unreal. Yeah. In different species. I think we, we saw like, I think 28 different species of animals. It's right. just unheard of. So, I mean, how was, as far as the trip itself, like setting it up, getting there and all that stuff, was that any kind of overwhelming? Did your, did you, did your guide help you through a lot of that process or how all that? Go? I mean, there, there were some challenges just because it was, it was our first time, but yeah, you know, my, my advice to somebody that's interested is just make sure that they go with somebody that's very established that communicates well and things like that. Uh, but I mean, there were some things that could have been improved upon, but overall, I mean, it didn't, didn't outweigh the, it didn't matter once you got there. Yeah. Type the, deal. <laughs> the enjoyment of the experience, you know? Yeah. So at what point, so that was like, oh, wait, uh, in your, so you're much more involved with SCI now, correct? Right. Uh, at what point, like, how did that transpire? Um, so four years ago, um, I was I was asked if I had any interest in serving on our local board, and uh, I told them that I that I did have interest, and so they invited me to the meeting, and I went to the meeting, and I was like, yeah, this is this is something that you know I'm passionate about and and interested in serving. So uh, I served the or uh, joined the board in 2018, and mm-hmm. uh, have served since. So what is that? What does that consist of? What do y'all just like, as far as the board goes? Do y'all decide, you know? Well, I guess I should just ask you. What do y'all do? <laughs> so we, the way we're structured is we have uh, a set amount of board positions laid out by our bylaws, and so once once a member decides to resign or to to 
resign from their, their position, then that opens up a, uh, an opportunity for somebody new to step onto the board. Uh, one of the things that, that I, that we really pushed in the last couple of years is trying to start a good volunteer committee to where people were willing to help. And that way they kind of get their feet wet. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that gives the board members an opportunity to, to interact with people that they may not have otherwise. And so, uh, um, that will also be the, the, likely candidates that will step into the next board position right. when it's available. Right, because you so. want – I'm sure this – well, I've been on some things before, and it's it seems like it's probably a thing everywhere. <laughs> you don't really want the person who just kind of bought their way into a board seat. If you have this program that, you know – is actively trying to do good. You want people who are going to be involved in it. Right. And I think, well, you know, what y'all got there is volunteer working into it. I think it's a great way of going about it myself. You know, some people may not agree, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. But you want the people that you have representing you, essentially, because I'm, I'm assuming as far as the board members go, you're probably like, you looked at, whether you like it or not, from a public standpoint, you looked at is kind of the voice of that chapter and exactly you know you want these people to be involved right you don't want just it's a status symbol and you know all that stuff uh and we want to be diversified i mean we want to make sure that our 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 board members reflect what our what our membership is right and you know that's i think that's the best way to represent the body is for the, Mm -hmm. the board to reflect what the body is yeah so say I want to join SCI West Texas. <clears throat> what is the process I should do? So if you go on at SCI underscore West Texas, West underscore Texas on Instagram, there's a link in the bio. And right now, if you click on that link, that directly uh, allows you to join the West Texas chapter. Cause that, that link is unique to, to West Texas and the national organization of safari club and i think through the end of this month if you join with a three mem- three year membership you're automatically given a 150 dollars kuyu gift card so i think the i think the three year memberships 160 150 mm-hmm. 160 and you get the card yeah so that's pretty i'm probably gonna go ahead and join Great. i was actually last time y'all was here i actually got on that that night and was doing it and just like everything else I scrolled the F out and end up like over here on a total different website. Rabbit trail. <laughs> exactly. I start thinking about like, oh, this will lead to one thing. And if y'all have a picture of something that. <laughs> you know, well, good thing now. Cause you can get free swag. Now. Exactly. Uh, I like me some you. That's for sure. So right now, can you give card, which this will air next week, right? Yeah. Next Wednesday. Yeah. Sweet. So. If they join right now, three-year membership. There'll be a link in the description. So. Yeah. Three-year membership, you get a $150 KU gift card, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's a jacket or a pair of pants at yeah. least. And KU will be at our show in January on the 14th. So <clears throat> I join, I pay my dues. What next? Come to meetings, get involved. So what, what exactly does the money go to, the overall stuff you mentioned earlier yeah so we 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 divide our the funds that we generate we divide those up into those three pillars um and then we also like to divide it up on 
what stays here locally to support organizations locally, and then those abroad. Um, one of the big organizations that we support here is the Amy Bell Foundation or Amy Bell Charities. Uh, and Safari Club Foundation has also picked up the Amy Bell Blue Bags, which is a blue bag is, is, a, is a bag that, that uh, is sponsored by Safari Club International or Safari Club Foundation. And hunters are allowed to take those overseas and give uh, items of, of, of worth, like whether that be soccer balls, uh, school supplies, medical supplies to impoverished areas. Right. And so uh, a lot of these areas are that, that, that people hunt in and, and, and go to are areas that, that just do not have the means to, right. to support themselves. And, and so uh, bags like that are uh, truly a, a gift and a lifesaver for those, right. those communities. And I'm, I'm assuming the website probably tells them where their money's going to, or, you know, are they going to ask in meetings or whatever? Cause I'm just, I'm not trying to grill y'all where all the money's going. I just know what some people are going to ask. Right. Like, where, what so, am I paying this for? So what we do is we do a, a, every year at our event, we do an update on all the, all the items or, or all the projects that, that the chapter, the local chapter here funded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of like our our yearly membership meeting right. is is the banquet uh, uh, exhibition itself. So, mm-hmm. so does it give you, you know, joining SCI? Does it give you, uh, golly, what is the deal? Does it give you access to information, obviously, about safaris and other guides in this country? Like, is there so, like a big? So the good thing about it is if if say there is a bad apple outfitter out there. Uh, a lot of that information is shared saying that, Hey, that there's, there's an issue with this. Be aware. Um, when laws change overseas, like recently, uh, Mexico made it a requirement without notifying anybody that you have to have a, uh, a separate form for your rifle scope, not only your rifle, but a separate form for your scope. Uh, so that, that got some guys, uh, in a bind in January, February this year. Um, I mean, they help try to stay in front of a lot of things like that right. and notify. Right. Uh, again, Safari Club does all the governmental affairs portion of it, so you, you're you're hearing about legislative legis, legislation that's being pushed before you'll ever hear about it in the mainstream, if ever. Right. Media. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't hear nothing about that through quote unquote mainstream media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So we covered SCI. You're definitely going to have to cut some of this out. Oh, well, well, I have a, I have a question. Um, okay. Uh, the I don't think a lot of people realize it. Kind of the amount of hunters that are actually out here in West Texas, particularly those who go to Africa and, and, and so on. So, how does the what the West Texas SCI chapter compare in size or scale to some of the other? So, membership size we're we're relatively small. We're right around 200 members, 250 members total locally. Um, but revenue generating wise, we are the number one fund generating chapter in the Safari Club organization. Um, and we've, we've held that for probably about the last eight, nine, 10 years, right? been the largest fund generator. So, uh, and every year since then, our event has grown and grown and grown. So, I mean, do y'all actively, is the goal to actively 
you know, seek new members? Or do y'all just kind of let it grow naturally and, you know? I mean, we, we, we push it at the event. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of opportunity in Midland Odessa to, to go to a different event. Like, I, I wouldn't want to go to the Ducks and Limit event and say, hey, you guys need to join. Y'all should. <laughs> it's just <laughs> duck hunting. Who cares? <laughs> y'all should pull out a big old booth. Of duck. You guys want to be real cool. Come over here and join this chapter. <laughs> but, I mean, there's there's so many people that, that you and I both know that, that – that, that aren't members that truly should be. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think what you said, you know, rings true is the name. Cause you're just like, Oh, so I, yeah. I'm not going on a safari. Why would I join the safari? I'm literally, I mean, for years I've seen safari club international posted everywhere, but I'm always just like, I'll eventually get to that. When I, when I decide I'm going to go on a safari, like it, it never, it never even occurred to me. It never even dawned on me that it, it you know, it's more than that. Just right. safari, because of the name. And then, I mean, I think it would be interesting kind of to touch on the event and because obviously that's a big revenue generator for y'all. Right. Like what, what is the event? What all, I mean, obviously there's a lot of raffles. I know we through ally, right. <laughs> there's a lot of right. guns up there on that rack for you. I see every day. Absolutely. So, um, like I said, we'll follow, uh, Dallas Safari club that happens in Dallas the first weekend in January and we'll be the second. So last year we changed our, our format and we actually opened up our event to the public from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on the that Saturday of the banquet. Uh, and then at 3 p.m., uh, that, that gave the public access to go in and, and visit with the exhibitors that we had there and really try to get more exposure for the chapter. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's, I think the drawback in the community is that a lot of people here, a lot of hunters here, don't even know that we exist or don't know that we have an event like that. So uh, this year, we, we not only did the, the 9 to 3, but we really tried to market it a lot more. I mean, we, we started putting radio ads together. We put uh, stuff together for uh, the local news stations to start advertising for. And uh, and then social media, I think we, we quadrupled our, our budget on pushing stuff out in social media, just letting people know that it was it was there. And I think, you know, overall, the, the public opening this year, brought in about about 600 people that probably wouldn't have come otherwise mm-hmm. uh, because the the banquet event is is a closed event so it's uh it's accessed through through table sponsorship only um, and then that's the night that we'll actually have the live auction uh, raffles go on all day through the through the uh, uh, the uh, public and the the private banquet event Um but a really good event. Like I said, 70, 70 different outfitters that were that were there. Yeah. And uh, the other outdoor events that I've gone to here locally don't touch near that many outfitters. Or, right. Right. So, so yeah, I always notice that all the events, they're typically slim on vendors and outfitters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's just, you're just kind of there to do the raffles, do the And I think the time of, time of year truly benefits it because, like I said, following Dallas Safari Club, uh, just up the road, a lot of those guys are in oh, from yeah, overseas, they're in the so they're yeah. they're coming straight to us. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty good timing. So, as far as you know, the event goes. Let's. Uh, what about the like? As far as the raffles and all that stuff, obviously there's going to be firearms up for raffle. Hundred percent hunts. Mm-hmm. You could, you could possibly, you know, get into a. African safari or another, I'm assuming another kind of type of trophy hunt. 
relatively inexpensive. Like most of the people I know that have been on pretty major, what would normally seem like super expensive hunts actually won them bastards at SCI events. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the only other, other thing I knew about SCI was you could go uh, to their events and uh, either, you know, silent auction or whatever they're doing and actually get on a, you know, pretty high dollar hunt for relatively inexpensive because of these events they put exactly. on. Exactly. And and what was funny is it, you you know, we you asked about pushing our membership out is is we had a we had a, a donor and exhibitor that donated a safari specifically for our membership booth. Mm-hmm. And so we put that into the bucket for new members for the show. And we had over two thousand people in attendance counting the public portion of it. We got thirteen people signed up for it. <laughs> We need to talk after this. We'll change that. We'll change that. We can we can fix that. Or maybe we don't for the first year. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, no. Cut all of this out. Yeah. <laughs> Cut this portion out until after we've won the hunt. <laughs> but anyways, so I mean, there's obviously chances to win firearms and lots you know, of lots of firearms. Yes. Yeah. There'll, there'll be some hunts. We'll have a silent hunts. auction, live auction, and then we have an online only auction. All the auctions are available digitally. So even if, if you're not at the event, you can still bid on silent auction items. Uh, same for the live auction and the online only. So as far as vendors, do y'all need more vendors? Oh, 100%. We, and how, so they just reach out to y'all through the website? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, anything hunting related or anything? Anything. Absolutely. You know, looking to grow awareness and obviously raise more money for the event because you know but people don't realize regardless of the situation whether you're doing it for charity or whatever to put on events like that costs goddamn money and the way you recoup some of that money is through vendors you know so a lot of times that goes people don't realize that kind of stuff it doesn't matter what you're doing you're never going to be able to get everybody to donate everything. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's always going to cost a significant amount of money to put on any kind of little event. And, you know, and vendors, like I said, that's a way to recoup some of that cost. So the more, and obviously, the more vendors you get, the more they're going to pump it up on their social media. Hey, come out exactly. here and see us. So, I mean, well, maybe we can help you all get some more vendors and some more tenants and if y'all are going to do the whole thing, just don't tell nobody. We'll put all of our tickets. I have a, yeah. you'll get about 10, one year. <laughs> what is uh? so you've been doing it eight years. What is the craziest thing you guys have auctioned off or seen raffled off or, uh, so we, we, uh, had been working for several <gasps> years to get a desert bighorn donation. Yeah. And, uh, this, this year we, we did auction off a desert bighorn, uh, and the outfitter actually sweetened the pot and, uh, and threw in a, uh, a mule deer hunt with it and so that that was the most expensive item that that i know of to date that that we've auctioned off for the uninitiated that's kind of a really expensive hunt desert bighorn what, what did it go for if you, if you can say went for 60 yeah that's the it's a nice truck yes desert bighorn i would love to shoot one someday but it's probably never gonna happen unless i just stumble into wanting a hunt and let you and let you become famous everybody like comment and subscribe <laughs> and get way to de- desert big i i struggle with this a lot i love to hunt i want to hunt all of these animals and like go all these places and stuff like that 
but I have this severe problem with wanting to spend that goddamn much money on it. Somebody like, I would love to go shoot a desert bighorn. It's not so much about shooting the animal. It's like going to see that country and doing the mm-hmm. hunt and all that stuff is what, you know, would excite me more than actual. And that's, that's part of the thing I think that drives all of us is just seeing something new, interacting with a different culture, a different yeah. community than what, what we have here. And it, it really, for one, it really opens your eyes at how blessed we are here. And yeah. I, I mean, you can, you can not leave Texas and see all kinds of shit as far as country goes, like topography and terrain and everything else and animals. Uh, there's all kinds of shit in Texas that people probably don't even know about, you know, but like I said, I would love to go do more stuff, but when they start throwing out them, that, those dollar signs, I'm just like, and I go back to what everybody keeps saying about Africa. I'm like, God damn, I can go to Africa cheaper than I can go, you know, in Texas and shoot something. It's, it's, it's cheaper than a private land's elk hunt. I, I mean, you. that ain't no shit. But I mean, on the other side of that spectrum, I've got it a lot. Predator hunts and stuff like that. Deer hunting. I also kind of understand why they charge the goddamn money. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of, you know, I don't know. Like my brother called me the other day. You want to go shoot some mule deer in a, I don't even remember what he said, in Texas. How, my first question always, how much? I, and most time, I just go with him if I, if I can, if like our schedules can go with him and try to record and take pictures. Cause again, I would love to shoot. I'd love to do all that stuff. But it, he was like, I don't remember what five grand or whatever. I'm just like, for you know, <laughs> for a Texas <laughs> mule deer? another rifle. Exactly. That's a lot of gun. Well, it's not that much ammo nowadays. <laughs> That's a, you know, I priced some tires from my pickup the other day. That's a set of tires. Oh, you know, jeez. Are they expensive? Uh, Is that a thing? Yeah. I'm glad I got tires recently. When I bought the ones that are on my truck right now, when I bought them, I bitched for like a month because they were, I think, a little over $300 tire, which was 37s. I priced some last week. And this, you know, good tire guy is not trying to, and I got, you know, 500 and something dollars a tire now. Gosh, dang. Exactly. I'm like, God damn, these 37s don't seem very cool anymore. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So anyways, which I mean, at the end of the day, when you're starting talking about guided hunts and stuff like that, all that comes into play, like the guys pick up and, you know, you know, tires and everything else. Like I, I can't imagine what some people have gone up to yeah. amongst all this shit. Well, the, the strange thing right now for a lot of the overseas stuff is that Surprisingly, the U.S. dollar is very strong, and so you're getting a better bang for your buck now than, than what you were even two years ago. So overseas, but not definitely not in the states. Not in the states. <laughs> no. Uh. So is I mean, once you join SCI and all that stuff, is there? Do they keep like a? Uh, on their website or whatever, they keep like a rolling Rolodex of like, uh, you know, these are good guides and, you know, this is a good outfit to go with. Like, do they have like literature or You can stuff find like some that? stuff on their website that'll, that'll give like, you know, uh, basically people's uh, references for this outfitter or whatever. So you can find some of that stuff. And then they always do a yearly uh, pH of the year 
uh, or Outfitter of the Year awards. So, uh, I mean, the guys that win those awards and stuff or have or past winners are 100% top-notch. Top-notch. It seems like they would, as big as SCI is, it seems like they would really focus on that as being a part of, you join for X price, <laughs> but if you pay this much, you get access to our... Do y'all remember Angie's list? Is that something? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! You get, you get access. You okay, put a little extra. You get access to our Angie's list of guides. Like our board members got together and voted that these are you know we this is our research. You paid a little extra and you get access to this. And, it seems like it'd be a thing. And any of our local members or our, our local board guys would be happy to. Oh, I'm sure to point some guys <laughs> sure. in, in the right direction because, like I said, and, and like you mentioned earlier, I mean there are so many people in this in this area that that have hunted all over the world oh yeah yeah and so there's there's a lot of guys that are that are very knowledgeable with outfitters and yeah the right people to to work with you would i mean it's just it's crazy that you only have sent 200 members oh yeah i mean it just seems like you'll have so many more yeah you'd think we'd have a thousand yeah out here especially i bet we can help out with that because i mean again like you said it's not just for the safari hunters, like it's, it gets, there's so much more. And, and like I said, I'm assuming all of this information is probably pretty present and broken down even more on SCI's main website. Like Absolutely. Where your money's going to and all that stuff. All the right information, like not what I've said today, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, website. I mean, I'll, again, you know, just knowing that it's, that it's not just for safari hunting. It's probably going to cause a lot more people to go check it out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Safari Club purchased uh, Texas Trophy Hunters uh, last year, I believe. Oh, really? Uh, and then they've, they've gone into an agreement with Buckmaster. So they're really making an attempt to appeal to the local guys. Right. I mean, expand more, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if they're doing a lot. So <sighs> as far as the lead, and you may not know the ins and outs, but I'm going to ask you anyways. As far as like the... Uh, legislations legislative 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 stuff goes like you know the lobbyists and all that stuff are they really just hyper focused on stuff that concerns safari type or are they just like looking out for hunters rights in general like are they attacking all kinds of stuff for us so there's so much of it that happens here in the states like i said that that gets tacked on to some of the other legislation that is just a one little liner you know saying it's this is now going to be law if this passes and so what what they're really good at is looking through the proposals and finding and picking out that legislation legislation and then going to the the congressman and the senators and saying hey we've got to redline this like this has got to come out right um uh a lot of the like currently a lot of the Federal lands in Alaska, which I think seventy percent of Alaska's federal lands. Don't quote me on that, but but a, a majority of the land is right. federal land. Well, they've been quietly in some of the bills have been passed and taken away hunter access even yeah. to local Alaskans to hunt those ranges. I know one that was affected was the Brooks Mountain Range. So like doll sheep in the Brooks Mountain, no more this year. Hmm. Um, but one of the things that one of the stories that I heard one of the guys say and he was he was from Birmingham, Alabama. He was a duck hunter, so you know. <laughs> but but he was a he was an active member in uh 
and I won't say anything bad about another organization, but active <laughs> member in other organizations. And uh, he had proposed like, hey, we've got an issue because they were trying to acquire his local family wetland that was close to town uh, in eminent domain and build a school there. And so uh, he had gone to everybody and nobody would take this up. And uh, one of his buddies there in Birmingham said, hey, why don't you call Safari Club and see if, if they'll do anything about it. And it was down to like the last two weeks before like they were shutting down their, their yeah. hunting club. And uh, anyway, he called, picked up the phone, called somebody at Safari Club. They got it shut down in like two days. Nice. And nice. so they, they actually had, got to keep their wetlands there, and uh, they redistricted and moved that proposed school to a different area. Right. So. Well, that's good. I mean, just further letting people know, it's not just about safari. No. You know, it's not. It's duck hunters, again, too. Yeah. Looking out for the little low duck hunters. I have a, I have a question. I could be completely off base here, but you, I think you've been in it long enough. So it seemed like with the, the rise of social media, kind of in that 2008 to 2012 range, um, you saw a lot of people, you know, posting up their safari hunts specifically, and there's just tons of backlash. And from my point of view, it seemed like a lot of the safari hunters kind of like, you know, went low profile online. But in the last maybe two years, maybe three it seems like it's kind of making a resurgence and a lot more people are kind of getting interested. I know a lot of people on like the tactical side of the gun industry or it's a whole thing now. Yes. You have magazines like field ethos, mm-hmm. like Don jr. Obviously being a huge proponent of, of that. And it seems like it's kind of becoming acceptable again. Have you guys noticed anything on your end? Acceptable? No, well, I, mean, I mean, acceptable. It's like you, you can talk about it again. Right. So I'm going to try to keep from going down a tangent on social media. Cause I think, and I'll, I'll say this, um, <laughs> it has been a blessing and a curse to the hunting industry. Right. 100%. Uh, and the other thing I'll say is just be careful what you post. Because at the end of the day, we as hunters are all looked upon as one group of people. And if one person does something that's uh, um, bad, I guess, or off color, Right. It ref- yeah, it reflects on the on the on the rest of them. So post good pictures. Don't post like, yeah, gory stuff yeah. and things like that. But anyway, uh, when it comes to heat that we get online, it, it kind of comes in waves because so much of this is farmed by what I'll call like a bot farm, and yeah. so it's just all these zero followers people that are just putting out all this propaganda and hate on comments and things like that. So it's it's not gone away. Right. I just, I just think it's gotten to the point that people really don't care anymore. Like, they're like, I'm going to post this because I want to post it. And right, I think. I mean, it's again, it's like he said. Uh, after the, uh, what's her name? Kendall Jones. Kendall, and then the dentist. What's his name? You remember? Uh, yeah, season line. Season line. Yeah. After that, it, it was uh, as far as. It's like, I don't want to lose my job. Our front, you know, as far as we see. After all that, like all that shit, it started up. It seemed like you just didn't, there wasn't hardly anybody talking about it for a minute. And then all of a sudden, these, all these tactical people. Thank you, Kevin Brittingham. Started going to Africa and talking about it. So it's, it seems like, again, that's from our end. Well, I, I would like it to. Our algorithm predator hunting contests or even firearms in general 
I think a lot of people had this strategy. Oh, we'll just, if we keep quiet about it, they're just going to move on, right. make ourselves a small target. And then I think at a certain point in their own time, everybody's kind of realized that doesn't work. These nope. people are, no. they're, they're going to hate you regardless. Well, yeah. and it's at the end of the day, from a marketing perspective, it's not your end user. It's not your target audience anyway. Yeah. So yeah. who gives a shit? A, appeal thing. to your target audience. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, this whole little conversation gets talked about a lot. A lot of the old timers, they don't like, they don't want you posting nothing. They don't want you talking about it. Like they don't want you posting nothing at all. And we talked about this one of the other yeah. podcasts, but <laughs> I think it was the, the, that's not real hunting. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, how do you expect it to stay alive? or continue to grow with like-minded individuals if you hide from this shit. It doesn't matter what you do. They just don't want you to do it because you're doing it. Like, exactly. You're doing something they don't agree with, and they don't want you to do it. So it doesn't matter if you post a goddamn photo or not. At least if you post a... And I'm, I'm a classy photos. I don't like, you know... I want it to look good. No blood, no guts. Yeah. As yeah. much as possible. Classy photos... Because the future of what you're doing nowadays is based on social media. Like it's, it's going to get more eyes on it. It's going to stay alive. And with, with that, you're going to, you know, get your kids involved and get other people's kids involved. Like the best way to combat this is be on the forefront of it and represent it. Well, yeah, exactly. Not fucking hide from it, which is what a lot of the, well, I think what I noticed, right. So kind of, there was that everybody went underground. It seemed like, and then there was kind of this resurgence, but uh, Modern Huntsman would have been one when they came out with their magazine, and then now there's Field Ethos. It's almost like, it's l so much less about, because it initially it was just like the kill shot. It's always the kill shot, which mm -hmm. I've never personally understood. Like, I get it. Like, you want to pose, but it seems like people focus so much more on the experience now of all aspects of the hunt, and it's almost, it's it seems like it's done in a more tasteful manner these days. I, I, the I agree. I think, I think everybody's gotten a... a a little bit more up on what's important about the hunt. Cause at the end of the day, it's like what you said, 90% of the hunt is, is the experience. It's yeah. the culture. It's the yeah. country that you get to see, uh, the hunting of the animal, the chase, but the kill shot is this, this much of it. It's, yeah. it's only one small portion of it. Yeah. Uh -huh. I always think like the kill shots, like for you to remember, it's kind of show your buddies, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But I mean, of the aspects of the hunt, it's kind of the least interesting really. But there's been a lot of really cool organizations that have that have come out of out of the social media kind of spectrum. Uh, one that that Safari Club International and our local chapter supports is Blood Origins, and their whole goal was to try to change the perspective of hunters and of hunting, and their <sighs> their true target was the seventy percent of the population that is neither for or against hunting. Yeah, yeah, and and. To be honest, like, and, and to somewhat answer your question, I think COVID truly helped hunting. Oh, yeah. Because 100%. there were so many more people that were wanting to get outdoors or people that were unwilling to before or sitting at the house going, damn, what am I going to do? Yeah. Or people scared that they wouldn't going to be able to feed their damn family. Yeah. Yeah. You see that a lot. It's Rogan kind of, uh, well, yeah, so Joe Rogan is a little bit before that. Kind of like, I'd say, where you see like these like hippie types who are very like, you know, will have their own garden and they start to realize like chickens are a thing. And then naturally they get into, Oh, well there's, you know, game for food. And Venison, yeah. It's uh, 
it was interesting. I was at a industry event in SSF maybe four years ago, and there was a whole conversation about the pipeline from like people from vegans to hunters. Cause it's like, they view it, they're vegans ethically. Cause they don't like, you know, factory farming, but you know, hunting, you know, doing it yourself. They actually, you know, they, they, they seen that as more ethical and, you know, you have play, uh, organization like uh, from field to table. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. followed them stuff like that, where it's like, this is a whole subculture of, it's not, again, not just about here's my, you know, here's this giant rack on this deer that I'm posing seven feet behind. Um, it's, you know, about all the other aspects of it, which I find interesting. <laughs> He's going to get them little jabs in there. He's not a fan of the, uh, I know it's hilarious. The, it, the classic trophy pose. Holding the, holding the fish way out here. Yes. Well, that's what I think. I'm a photographer. Like photography is my thing. And so like, I see it a mile away and it, to me, I'm like, it just looks funny. Like I like the perspective, like the low angle, you know? And so I see it, but it's like, everybody does it. So everybody has to do it. It's kind of, I try to do that with the squirrels. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Monsters, squirrel, squirrelzilla. That's like everybody goes out every week and they get a hogzilla, and then you, you'll see like their friend post a picture from another angle. Yes, and you're like, oh, that thing's like normal. Yes. Where was we at? We just went off on a tangent there. I I tried to keep from going on a tangent. Oh, I was trying to get. I was trying everybody to get on tangents. I mean, that's what this podcast is for. Just we talk about whatever the fuck we want. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think there's the. There is the aspect, I find it interesting, like the, the, I guess, ethics, you know, safari hunt. I think people have like a, about a bunch, of, I had a bunch of misconceptions about it. That's why I asked specific questions or just hunting in general. Cause I didn't, I didn't grow up a hunter. Well, I, I, we I, couldn't even tell. Right. Totally looked like a hunter to me. And it's funny. I think, I think one thing that really was the buzzword for a long time on that was trophy hunting. Yes. Well, it probably still is. Oh, it is. I mean, trophy hunters are bad. But that would be somebody to try to tell me that, like, say, for example, if there's two deer at your feeder and one's a 10-point and one's a doe, which one are you going to shoot? Me? Yeah. I'm shooting a fucking doe. <laughs> well, you're also managing property. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, most most hunters out there. Yes. I'm as soon as they decide to shoot you. the buck, they're a trophy hunter. Yeah. At the end I'm of the saying. day. But I mean, yeah. That's what's funny. You mentioned that you have that, you have that other class of hunter, which is like, I'm going to try and make it seem like I'm not one of the bad hunters. But like you know they are, but they go out of their way to, you know, talk about like virtue signal, virtue signal on the on the hunt and trophy hunting, and it's like I find that just as fascinating as the people who are just like dead obsessed with it. One of these, I mean, hunt, hunting would be one of the strongest organizations in general or groups of people if everybody could just get along. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, like high fence hunting, low fence hunting, coyote hunting, duck hunters. <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all hunting. We're all yeah. doing the same thing. We all enjoy right. the same thing. I mean, it's just like the gun industry. hundred percent. Just like, well, it. okay. Anything there, where there's a large concentration of men. Yeah. It's, yes. it's, it's always going to be a competition. Yeah. It's never, nobody's ever satisfied. Everybody's always like, screw that guy. My thing's better. Yeah. I, we're equal opportunities here. I, we make fun of everybody. That's exactly, that's you know, I, I get a kick out of walk, like going through the comments on people's like nice deer or whatever, you know, and there and just seeing all the, the hate I'm like going like by fellow hunters. I'm like, yeah, like, Oh, it, it doesn't matter either. There's always going to be someone jealous of your success. And there's always going to be just some fucking negative fuck. And then there's also trolls who really don't give a shit one way or another. They just like to start some shit up. Like they're scrolling through the comments and they see all this like positive feedback and just, it's fucking burning them up. So they got to say something negative. Who would ever do that? Yes. 
who would ever yes. be that way. Well, no, um, you see that a lot. I always find that fascinating. Going back to the social media aspect is you have guys who are normal people who save up for this, for like an expensive hunt and they get a nice animal. And it's like, you have that backlash of people who are just like, you're not a real hunter. And yeah. you know, just cause you're yeah. on a guided hunt. And yeah, it's like yeah, the guy saved up and like, that's his, he's probably gonna do that once in his lifetime. And you know, people were crapping all over people for elk hunting recently. Oh, we, did, we did a whole podcast about that. I'd argue against it every day. I mean, just yeah. because you have a guide, because if you do hunt in another country, you're required by their government to yeah. have a guy. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, if more whitetail hunters were smart, this is probably going to give me some goddamn hate, but I don't give a shit. If more of them were smart, especially in Texas, which I don't know nothing about whitetail hunting in other states as far as like. Well, I heard, um, what I heard Texas calls. people don't know anything about whitetail hunting. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said the other night. But, anyways. If they were smart, they'd go on more guided hunts because if you sit down, I guess at the end of the day, it depends on what you love doing. For me, I I like more of the management aspect as far as whitetail hunting goes. But there, most people, they want to kill a fucking buck mm-hmm. with a lot of points. You know, that's about as much as they put in thought into it. But as, as much as deer leases are, as much as corn is, your time investment that goddamn management hunt over here for whatever the shit they're going for is probably significantly cheaper than this fucking hundred percent. This buck you may not even kill, you know, and you're going to go even a mid, let's just say a mid price management buck, 140, 150 inch buck. You're going to go on a, whether it be a low fence or high fence, whatever the shit it is, you're going to have a guide. You can tip his ass and you don't have to clean a goddamn thing. And uh, this cost you per pound way less than this son of a bitch did and way less time investment. And you know what? At the end of the day, not everybody gives a shit about management and everything else. And uh, if you're limited on time because family, sports, and everything else, some fucking reason, a lot of a lot of sports are during hunting season. Yeah. Which I don't fucking understand, but whatever. If you don't have time because, you know, time constraints and everything else, but you want to hunt, this shouldn't be fucking frowned upon. Uh, I don't understand why so many people get so goddamn upset about that. You know, I think it, it really revolves around the high fence, but that's, that's the people that the high fence hunting has appealed to is the fact that you can have a free weekend and go out and you can actually harvest a deer. Yeah. Uh, where if you have a deer lease, you got to go out there and fill feeders and, Oh, that's, I can't go hunt out on there because I hadn't filled feeders in two months, and it's yeah. That's what a lot of people don't realize how much actual work goes into that shit, and how much money it costs to do that shit, especially you know, right now. Yes, twelve fifty a bag. Fucking oh, uh, I I just you know I don't get the, and we've touched on this before. A lot of it stems back to the motherfuckers just jealous. It is. I mean, one hundred percent of it. I sound like such a dickhead. But a motherfucker's just jealous because he can't afford it. Or he did all these things. He did everything right and fucking having a year like we're having right now. No, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't anything we could do. Couldn't, couldn't feed him enough. I'm going to tell you right now, if I see somebody post some big bug, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, motherfuckers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here just barking like a fucking dog and, you know, we have a shitty fucking year and then it's just shit. Well, I'm also a little bit jaded. Like, if... I don't want to say too much. 
I probably shouldn't be so cunty about it. <laughs> it's not as bad as it's just not as good as I was expecting. You know, the the growth projections. Yeah. You know, of, I don't want to get in too much into it, but it's, it's a bad year. I mean, it's wor- worse than I can remember. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I see someone post some bullshit. I'm like, yeah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> I'm not going to get on there and rain on this guy's brain. They, they, they still have some big deer on the high fence right now. Exactly. <laughs> I, I will say I've seen some of that uh, that high fence hunting. It's, uh, some, yeah, certain- so <laughs> I'm never going to get on there and talk some shit because I, I really don't fucking care what you do, I Joe mean, Blow. That's how I am. Uh, I mean, silently behind closed doors, I might talk some shit. If you do some stupid fucking shit and post it online, like show a video of like just some outrageous. Well, there's high fence hunting and then there's like high fence hunting. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's some things that we could talk, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too crazy into it. I, I, I'm going to say right now, I don't, I don't agree with the whole quote unquote high fence petting zoos. (laughs) That's not my thing. Put and take. Yes. That's not my thing. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm still not going to get on there and bash other fucking hunters. No, at the end of the yeah. day, we're all supporting the same thing. Their their hunting license does the same amount of impact that the one that you bought. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing with with this and other things is everybody has their entry point, and like you can't judge people just because they're not where you're at because everybody starts somewhere. Yeah, and starts different. And I think it boils down to time too. Yeah, I, it's a lot of it. I like still do the hunting lease thing and low fence and. I bitch about years like this year. <laughs> <laughs> we could have a whole other podcast on that right now. I'm so goddamn perturbed. Perturbed. You know what? I'm going to. Good job. Vocabulary. He's so fucking surprised that I know words. No, because half the time he's like, he like mixes them. I don't mix them. You said one the other day. I put it in the podcast. Oh, no, in the video. What did you? It's, it was a video. It was real. And it was a. It was on purpose. Yeah, yeah, on purpose. No one gets yeah. my fucking Huber. <laughs> <laughs> Not when you sound like that. What I mix clumsy clumbersome. and cumbersome. So I just put clumbersome. It's it's a fucking redneck word, yeah, he, man. Yeah, he meant to do it. It's yes. also the name of a spaniel. There you go. Clumber. Clumber spaniel. <laughs> there you go. He meant, he meant to do it the whole time, folks. No, that was 100%. That's like, it's a thing. But anyways... <laughs> Um, how many how many times have you been to Africa? What little... Oh, I've been twice. Um, did first, you hear that? Did, did you hear the drums echo in the night? Did not hear the drums, but we did. Uh, the second time I went, we were in Zim, and uh, we were actually there when when Cecil the Lion deal roared up, <laughs> and uh, and we honestly had nice little pun there. Yeah. Roared up. <laughs> And we we had we actually had lions in camp every night, and so the first night I was there, and we're sleeping in tents, you know, a, a permanent tent camp. And uh, the first night I was there, you know, we're we're off the the flight, and I don't sleep on flights, so I'm I'm dead tired. But as soon as those lions started ripping, I was like, mm, didn't want to sleep. <laughs> and then after that, I was so tired it didn't bother me. So I mean, is the lion roar anything like you? you hear on the movies mm. is it that bone is it like chilling? jumanji yeah it's it's really that that thump that they that they do after the after they roar 
like they're what is it, like their diaphragm in their chest or yeah. whatever. So kind of kind of like an elk bugle, you know how at the end they 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 work their diaphragm. It's the same thing. It was super deep. Just you can feel it in your bones. It's, Did y'all? If I'd have been the outfitter, I'd have shown y'all Ghost in the Darkness that fucking night. Yeah, hey, movie night. <laughs> Which, by the way, I went back and watched the other day. It's a fucking great movie. Oh, it's just saying one of my favorites. <laughs> but. uh but uh, we, we actually took those guys a Fox Pro and uh, gave it to them. And so the, the camp backs up to a dry riverbed, you know, during the dry season. And we, we drove, drove the cruiser down in there and, and kicked on the Fox Pro. And we literally had 30 lions crawling all over us. No shit. Yeah. That had been pretty Ooh. fucking exciting. And right, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm talking not 200 yards from camp where we're at. That had been pretty fucking – I can't imagine – I'd probably have a goddamn heart attack. I get excited over fucking bobcat. Oh yeah, that you I mean? We're talking a three hundred, four hundred pound cat. Yeah, I can't. I'd admit, I probably would have passed out. Like I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is about fucking cats. Uh, cats are just the thing that gets me fucking riled up. Like if I still this day, which I'm glad, still this day when I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go make a daytime bobcat stand, I have to fucking collect myself. It's, even just the intent i don't even know if i'm gonna fucking call one in yet the intent of sitting down and calling a cat during the daytime gets me fucking riled up i gotta call myself down to this day and i've seen shit loads of them fuckers i cannot imagine a fucking lion like <laughs> uh you know oh an african lion not a fucking mountain cougar but <laughs> did, y'all, did y'all get to shoot any no we were we were at, we were actually on a <laughs> buffalo hunt on that one but uh but I was I was blown away at just the number that we saw because you always hear that that lions are endangered. Well, they absolutely were not in that hunting concession. Y'all were. <laughs> we, yeah, we were endangered. There, there was definitely more lions than there were people in that three million acre block. That had been oh, that had been awesome to film it. Number one, did y'all kill any jackals or anything like that? Uh, first time we uh, I went to South Africa, I shot quite a few. Uh, went to Zim. I called like right at dusk one day and shot like three. Uh, but they're, they're a lot of fun. I mean, they're they're a lot more like a fox right. in the way they behave than, right. than than a coyote. So Red or gray? Like a gray fox, yeah. yeah. Just kind of bounce right in there, right. ready to see what's going on. Oh, wow. That's, so all that shit's on my, on my bucket list. And, I, and again, I've told this before, I had a chance to go for fucking free. Some predator fucking hunt deal. I got invited. It was fucking all expenses paid, except for, I think, maybe the plane ticket. But everything else took taken care of, and I didn't fucking go. That's stupid. Scared. Y'all is fucking retarded. Cause, like, I I uh, kept up with the people that did go and everything else like that. They killed a fucking shitload. Oh, yeah. And it, once you get further into the south, into South Africa, in the southern area, it gets real flat and uh, in a lot of places, and it has mountains too. So it looks like it truly looks like just west of here. You know, yeah. you yeah. get some elevation change, and and uh, it's their primary focus is those guys are are boar goat ranchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they absolutely cannot stand jackals, and yeah. they are covered in them. Yeah. Oh, you? I follow. I still follow a couple guys, predator hunters over there, uh, and the, they all have the little hiluxes and all that bullshit uh, based. <laughs> rangers like the 
cool Land, Land Rover Defender, Defender 80s and 110. Yeah. But they all have like a uh, nice chair in the bed, and they have a little rack, which I assumed was to offer some sort of fucking boundary between you and a fucking lion. I don't know that to be why they do that. They just kind of assumed that's what it was for. Uh, but they use it at the end of the night to tie up all the fucking jackals on. Mm-hmm. And this motherfucker looks like a rolling jackal. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many, like they just, I'm talking like up to 120 a night type shit. Like they are just fucking covered in them. That looks like a party to me. I'm just saying. You bet. Uh, So how many times have you been over there? I've been twice. Once to South Africa and once to Zim. Um, for those that don't know, the South Africa is 100% private. So it's high fence hunting. Like These yeah. are large, large ranches, but yeah. it, it is high fence. Everything that, that is in that fence is something that the owner brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the only way that they can protect them there too because if, if they're on low fence communal land, they they don't exist. There's yeah. there's there's nothing. Poachers kill them. Farmers mm-hmm. kill them because you know they're trying to. You can't be mad at them. They're trying to fucking. They're growing crops to live, to eat and stuff like. And fucking, all these animals come eating them. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that that same kind of shit happens here. Probably not on the same kind of scale because we have game wards and right. might be a little bit more western out there but oh 100 people don't realize like when you say high fence ranches typically they're fucking massive uh you know up to a couple million acres oh, sometimes yeah. and or a couple million hectares in some cases i mean and uh it's no it, it's same thing applies over there nobody does more for conservation than fucking hunters I hate 100%. to say it in, in hunting ranches. Like they don't just, a lot of people just assume like, Oh, they build a big pen. They throw some animals in it and people grow through there and fucking kill them. Not true at all. Mm-mm. Like you can't, that's not sustainable. You have to make an initial investment, bringing in animals that you don't have and whatever. And then you manage that herd. And you got to think over there too. I mean, you've got, depending on the area, you've got cheetahs, hyenas, lions, you got stuff yeah. that wants to eat those animals. Yeah. So, Big shit. The animals that you're hunting <laughs> are wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Oh, that's yeah, the reason the land's so big is you create yeah. your own little ecosystem. Yeah, I 100%. Mean, people's perception of just because they hear high fence, it's like, motherfucker, you couldn't even... Like, it's just a it's just a big fence to keep other shit out. I mean... It's like having a country realize. with a damn border. I mean, Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's fucking border wall, essentially, but... Moving on. Well, you said you were talking that in uh, Zim. What's 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 like there? So that that's actually a concession. So that is a they have huge wildlife areas basically that are that are focused on wildlife, and so like the individual concession that we hunted was, I think it was one hundred and four thousand acres inside of a three million acre high fence. So there's there's no cross fencing in the entire property. But you basically mark the concession off by roads as a boundary, right? And so there's not a lot of roads in it. So I, th- I think each each road or each block, I want to say it was like twenty five or thirty sections in each roadblock. Damn, that's and so, a lot of. So you'd go to a water hole, you know, to 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 check for buffalo tracks, and you may walk. I mean, that like 
the day I, I, I shot mine, I think, I think we were at 28 miles is what we did on foot. But as a crow flies, it was only like 10. Right. Right. Yeah. People, this, this shit, like people don't even realize how big this all is. Like, Mm-mm. and you know, how big is the section? Six, six forty. Yeah, that's six hundred forty acres, which is a square mile essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't realize like the overall fence. You said the overall fence is three three, three million, million acres. That's a golly. I mean, how do you even quantify three million acres? It's big. That's a big fucking fence. I, I, I can tell you, just at one hundred and four thousand acres, like to get to from where camp was to the other side, we had to wake up at like three in the morning. Yeah. And leave to be there at daybreak. Yeah. I mean, oh, 104. Th- that small little, what did you call it? Concession? Con- uh, yeah, it's a concession. That little small thing, piece of the pie there, that's fucking huge. That's bigger than most people even set foot on in their entire lives. But, so what all what all did y'all hunt while you're there? Uh, we were only doing Plains games. So, so Buffalo was our, our primary focus. And uh, so, on a deal like that, we, you typically go after that animal first um so i hunted i think for five days before i got a buffalo and then uh my buddy that was with us he hunted for seven before he got his but the conditions weren't great when we were there i mean it, it hadn't didn't have any cool weather come in and so them they have mapani trees which is like their mesquite their barbecue wood yeah and they all had their leaves on them so you literally could not see in that stuff 30 yards. I mean, yeah. the first time we, we got in there and busted those, those bulls, we never even saw them. We just saw dirt and they were close. I mean, real yeah. close to us. And, uh, so y'all went there for Buffalo or Plains game. Mm-hmm. What all did you get while you're there? Uh, I got a Buffalo kudu shot another zebra. Um, I wanted a hyena, but we didn't see any spotted hyena. All we saw were brown hyenas, which you can't bring in, can't hunt in Zim. Um, wildebeest. Shot a couple wildebeest. Bush pig, that's a that's a rare one. And I got something else I can't remember on that trip. But it was a, it was a great, great hunt, great Probably experience. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean, that's literally what everybody I've never talked to anybody. And said, "I wish I wouldn't win. Like it's it, that's just never happened. Usually, it's a, it's a, <gasps> before you leave, you're planning your next trip because it's it's like the first time you go won't be your last. Oh, that's that's me every time I go anywhere, literally, like to go hunt. Uh, and that's just coyote hunting. I can't imagine like doing something like that. But before the last podcast, you just got back from where? From Peru, Peru, and y'all shot the the smaller coos deer. What what do they call it? Uh, so that's that's classified as the South American mountain whitetail or the Peruvian Andean whitetail. And the, it was some kind of record, wasn't it? Uh, it's pending number one right now. Uh, dude, God dang it, there was something I was going to ask you about. <coughs> How, I mean, while maybe I'll think of that question I had. As far as going to Peru, what's what's all that like? What's that like? Uh, what's the process like? Uh, so I'm pretty lucky. Uh, my mother-in-law is Peruvian, so all of her family okay. lives in Peru. Um, I had met the outfitter, uh, Chaku Peru, that I that I used. I met him at Dallas Safari Club in 2020. Um, 
And so that's when I decided I was going to going to book a hunt and do this hunt. And then we postponed until this year, uh, before we, we, we scheduled it and went, uh, but you can't use your own, you t- can't take your own firearms at all there. Uh, getting their hunting license is a very easy process. Uh, their Peru is actually well known for duck hunting, uh, for the duck hunters out there. <laughs> Wade's going to be booking a trip next week. Um, but not many people go there to, to hunt big game. Um, and even, even now, I mean, uh, the cattle industry is such a big industry there that, that even the, the, the locals are no longer really hunting anymore really? because they, they sustain themselves with beef. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but it was a super easy process that they gave us a hunting license and basically said, here it is. And then, then I think the outfitter had to have, uh, uh, the communal village sign off on our ability to hunt their area or, or where the area that we hunted or whatever. And, and, uh, we basically just went out and hunted deer at 13,000 feet. What was the temps like and all that stuff? Like it's a lot like it is here right now. I mean, eighties during the day, um, real cool, like forties and fifties at night. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're pretty high up elevation. Yeah. yeah well, that's one thing people who haven't experienced that that you figure out really fast nighttime and mornings, no matter what time of year, when you're that high elevation, it's typically pretty chilly. Yeah. I mean, from when, when we got the, when I shot the deer was right at dusk and it literally dropped 30 degrees between there and the mile it took us to get to the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, if you don't mind me asking and then you don't have to answer, we can just cut the shit out. What does something like that cost? It's a really reasonable hunt. I mean, it's it's no more than doing a management deer hunt in Texas. I mean, um, I'd have to. Th- I mean, so how did you not counting your travel and everything right. else? But but the hunt. How itself. did you circumvent the whole firearm thing? Did you you lodge your family? So and yeah, well in Peru you have to have a a license to have specific firearms. Um, so the outfitter that I hunted with actually provided the one that I used. I mean. Was it a piece of shit? Or no, anything? it was it was a <laughs> 1990s model, uh, 700 Remington. I mean, had a, what is their suppressor policy there? I don't think they know what it is. So I'm pretty sure if you carried one, they probably wouldn't even think to ask any questions. <laughs> uh, it's funny, like the the U.S. has far more regulations oh, on suppressors yeah. than anywhere yeah. else. Like. If you want one in South Africa, you just go buy one off the shelf yeah. and take it home. That's like, what I always heard. Like, you can go to the fucking gas station and get them up there. Now, if you want to get a pistol, that's there. a different story. But, right. But a suppressor, that's the way it should be here. Do, do you know the story behind that, out of curiosity? <clears throat> I, I, I don't. I always like to tell people this because it was a – they weren't originally on the docket. Like, so when they were, they were, the National Firearms Act was targeting uh, mob violence, right? Uh, the uh, Valentine's Day massacre just happened. So they were trying to ban, you know, what year? Uh, that'd be the 1930s. Um, they were trying to ban all this stuff and somebody was just like, Oh, Hey, it's the great depression. What if people started using silencers to poach game? Like they just kind of threw it in there. It was like literally like a, <laughs> it wasn't even like a, they weren't even trying to do it. Like somebody just said something and it just got rolled right into there. And a lot of the, the European <laughs> countries are requiring them now. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. We need to fucking take on that the european thing of it's just fucking rude not to i, I mean, on, I mean no, they get some things right i think some people say it in a way where it's kind of like disingenuous but like legitimately hearing protection because 
Yeah. Like, I have tinnitus because I grew up shooting without proper ear pro. What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, there's a lot, there's so many people I know who have permanent hearing damage. And that's like one of the nicest things is being able to teach people to shoot on suppressed 22s. Cause it's like you, you eliminate the flinch, you eliminate all of it. Cause loud things are just like obnoxious. And well, uh, there's it's it, when something's, I don't remember the, <clears throat> the actual numbers of decimals. Once something's at a certain level of noise. They say one they say one forty, but even less than that longer exposure. It's fucking involuntary for you to not flinch. Like you cannot stop flinch when it's at a certain loudness. Yeah. Uh, I mean another thing can be said about real snappy fucking recoil, but if you run a suppressor it takes all that shit out. But well the the other cool thing, like you said in the other countries, European countries or I'm sure Africa, is because you're not buying this thing that you're gonna have for the rest of your life and paying a two hundred dollar tax stamp. They have it's, like they have a different design and ethics behind it, where it's like it's a disposable item. Yeah. So you don't you don't have all this overly complicated stuff. They're probably they're, let's be honest, our suppressors are probably way better. Right. But like you said, you can just go grab one, and throw it on your gun. And if it messes up, you just get a new one. Fucking throw it away. Yeah. It would be super interesting. I don't see it happening because at this point, fucking tax stamps are a goddamn money maker for them. The way I. I could be totally fucking off it, base here. It do, it just goes into like the general flows. I feel like they, they can print as much money as they want. It's probably not going to Pittman Robertson where we no, no, no. want it to. <laughs> no. I feel like at this point though, because it is, we've been getting this $200 tax stamp. It's never going to fucking go away. Now what they should do is make it a much, it should be a goddamn, I would pay $300 if I could just fill out a 4473 and take my suppressor right That's the problem. Yeah. Like, right. It's all, it's all predicated in these old laws. So 1934, 1968, 1986. And so every time they try to streamline the process, people just start buying more of them. Yeah. So it's like this, this latest round, they did the e-forms and it's like, Oh, it's going to be 90 days. Keep in mind, this is what, 12 years after they did other e-forms that just crashed because it was so popular. Um, and everybody I goes, bought one just because it's such a hassle. Like, and it's, yeah, people, there's a bunch of people who went out and go, oh, it's going to be 90 days. I'm going to go buy mine now. And then so you just keep increasing that. Uh, yeah. Ever that since, is, was it 2012 when they legalized it for hunting in Texas, right? I don't fucking remember. 11 or 12. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And everybody else followed suit. But yeah, it's kind of, that's the that's my biggest gripe. It's stupid. Well, I mean, let's be honest, all anything involving ATFs retarded. But. <laughs> so, so should we go ahead and bring up the AR pistol? debate oh god well here's the deal i oh, i'm gonna piss boy. everybody off us oh, boy. i think braces are gay always they have fucking gay. always will but also the atf sucks i mean i also have an sot so i can just literally build whenever i want whenever i want so that's kind of a if a pistol brace is being used as it was originally intended i'm totally fine with it like if somebody it aids someone in shooting who otherwise couldn't have but as far as like having to utilize a pistol brace, I fucking hate them. Based on the length of barrel, all that shit's stupid. I hate it. And well, that then, was the, that, again. That was going back to that original law. That sixteen inch was like, oh, we're doing that so they can't put it in their coat pocket. Like, and yeah, they were a pistol. Like even with a ten inch barrel, it's still massive. That was the issue with the Uzi back in the eighties. Yes. It was concealable when everybody wore long trench coats and. I mean, fucking. The best uh, argument I've heard is that short-barreled AR-15s prevalence in modern society have become common use items. 
you know, military law enforcement, everybody uses them. And, uh, I kind of like them. There's a lot of people with this mentality where they're just like, fuck it. If you're going to make, I'm going to put a stock on it. And I just don't even give a shit. I kind of <laughs> like that because it's a little metal. Uh, but, uh, I'm not telling you to do that. And I'm don't, like, uh, yeah, go ahead and don't uh, post a picture. Out to him, yeah. Say, you know, but I think people are so fed up with it. Cause these are, these laws are all arbitrary. They do not, they do absolutely nothing. Cause like, right. Like one of the biggest crime things that's happened in the last 10 years is a uh, Glock uh, backplates. Yeah. All the criminals have them now all of them. Cause it's easy. It's a piece of metal. And it's like, you don't think a criminal can take off a pistol brace and put a stock on. Are you, <laughs> it, it's all stupid. Honestly, in a lot of the people I've talked to who may or may not work for the ATF are all just like, this is stupid. Like they're just like, they're like, fuck Washington. This is getting absurd. I don't, I don't get all that. Well, you but, don't, uh, you don't follow politics at all. So yeah. Fuck no. And I'm better off for it. I, like I said before, uh, if it wasn't for hunting, I would not have fucking social media. I would never know what was anything was going on. I, I'm so goddamn done with all that shit. Going back to Peru. Uh, we talked about the guy that has the firearm and the, costs associated with would you are you gonna do you have any plans to go back or so i went i went for there's two species there there's a there's a coastal species and then the mountain species the coastal species i did not get um so i do plan to go back and get that one and then there's a um, there's a a central american uh, white tail which i plan to go and get one of these days and then there's i guess that one kind of bleeds into the seven uh subspecies in mexico Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to go get them all one of these days. CD predators while you're there. I did not. Um, I think what we did, we did see skunks. I was surprised by that cause they look just like our skunks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Oh, I did see a big golden Eagle though. It's pretty incredible. People, um, I've only seen our, you know, bald eagles, obviously people underestimate, how fucking big them bastards are. Oh, absolutely. I will say that. When you see one like up close, up close, you're like, oh, that motherfucker's huge. Well, he was sitting on the ground when we saw him, and you're like going, hmm, that's just smaller than a turkey. And then he opens his wings up, and you're like, oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah. I hate to be a goat in that country. That ain't no shit. Definitely seen some of them videos. <laughs> uh, I guess... But those were some of the prettiest mountains I've ever seen. I mean, there was grass chest high everywhere you could see. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. I've seen some, I've watched some hunting shells where they're over in that area and stuff like that. It's, it's I don't know. I guess because of the pla- all the places I've been, it's strange to see mountaintop terrain look that way. I don't. They have a bunch of mountain lions in there. Um, I didn't see any. Uh, did see partridge, uh, like a little, like a chucker sized bird. But, uh, I have a question. All right, sounds deep. <laughs> I feel like oh, this is you feel deep. like I feel like of all you've probably killed <sighs> your fair amount of whitetail. Mm-hmm. You've definitely killed some predators, some cows in particular. What do you think is more intelligent, a mature coyote or a mature whitetail? Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> This is our, this is our this question. This is a whole everybody. yes. From here on out, I don't give a shit. If they even hunted them. I'm going to ask people. It's a whole thing now. 
<laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I like hunting coyotes. I'm not going to lie. That is a witty animal. But I don't think you can put it past an old mature whitetail. Ooh, that's another one for the whitetail. I don't know. That's, that's a hard to say. I mean, both of them are... I mean, they didn't get old by... Being right. stupid. Right. Uh, let's try the let's try the same line of logic. Let's see. Let's see what he thinks about it. If we set aside Santa's reindeer, <laughs> have you ever seen a working deer? You bet. That's that, that's you think so? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I saw a video on Facebook this morning. One drinking out of the sink. He's talking about like a like a service deer, like I, like I would tell like right obviously like dogs. He's uh, you know there's they have common ancestor. Dogs with wool, coyotes, all that stuff. And like the, the capability of intelligence is such that we bred them to, you know, whether it's military law enforcement. Okay, with that with that logic, without a <laughs> doubt, a dog is trainable. Yeah. Hmm. But at the end of the day, your old whitetail is not only trying to evade humans, he's also trying to evade coyotes and mountain lions and all shit dangerous. So... It, predator, it goes back to predator and prey. I love this question so much. because it, it brings up so many solid points and everything else. But at the end of the day, almost every single point, even mine included and everything else, is so much fucking circumstantial in what you've observed. You're yourself observed in the field. There's no actual fucking way we could possibly you, ever know. You know what this question no. reminds me of a lot? Have you ever heard of like the, what, what are there more of doors or wheels? Have you ever heard that? No. Mm-mm. That's a, this, this is like a line of uh, questioning that's become popular, kind of a meme, if you will. But it's like, what do you think there's more of, wheels or doors? And so at first you, you might go, well, you know, car has four wheels, right? And, but, a, but a car typically also has four doors. Sometimes more if you can start including compartments. But then you have a house, right? You have all the doors, your cabinets, all the stuff. But then all your cabinets have <laughs> wheels on them. It's like what what like you can go down this and like you can kind of jump from so it's getting late. You can like go back and forth with the argument and like just jump from like, well maybe it's that. Well maybe it is yeah. that. Oh. I think if you're I say coats and again it's just based off of my own personal experiences, what I was observed. Over the years of hunting. So think about it this way. A coyote only has to be right once to get his kill. <laughs> a deer can only be right, wrong once. I mean, that's one way of thinking about it. I think this is such a fucking... It's deep, isn't it? It's a it's a no it's a no win subject. Now where I always go to is we have to think about it of the perspective of we we all have our answers based on what we see. You know, what our beliefs are and everything else. Like it's going to influence my answer one hundred percent. Scientifically talking, though, you have to take those experiences that you have in the back of your mind that's helping you come up with this answer. Like, I think it's this way because I'm influenced by these situations. You have to bring it down to 
be completely honest with yourself of those situations that you're pulling from to come up with this answer. How much of that is just instinct and how much of that is, is, is actual intelligence. Or and luck. I think overwhelming majority of people's past situations that helped them draw this conclusion overwhelmingly probably is more instinct on both sides of the spectrum. Like that deer that they thought it was doing something out of intelligence. It's actually just an instinct. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, when I really go down this rabbit hole, which it, this used to be more of a joke, but you can find so many his, holes. His brother disagrees with him, and that's that's where this all started. So <laughs> every can, time we do this, it's to fuck with his brother. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> you can. It's also a great thinking experiment. But you can go down so many rabbit holes with this, and then if you're being completely honest with yourself, you go back down the rabbit hole and and test your theories. Like, what was that intelligence, or was that just inst was he instinctually acting? And then the other day, I'm like, I wonder what the fuck Google says. <laughs> so then I got on this whole thing about is prey or predator. You say prey, predator eyes. That's exactly what I was. Prey, predator, the all the fucking shit surrounding that. Like, apparently, like this is a prey and predator. Which one's more intelligent? Apparently, is like. <laughs> It's so much more of a fucking argument than I ever realized. Wait, but here, here's, a, here's another. But that's, here's, that's painting with a broad fucking brush: prey versus predator. Yeah. What's interesting is you know even in the argument, even the question though, right? Because you say a mature buck. So when you're saying a mature buck, you're saying one that has managed to survive, which is probably less about intelligence, more just about like you know gross statistics. Um, versus like the average coyote is probably. You were to say like average coyote versus average deer, I think it's not even a question, right? Because I'm, like, I'm, I'm sad. I think it's in the name, regardless. Predator, <laughs> like one is predator, one is prey. I, you know, because I've I've sit down and thought about it. Like, okay, I'll, I generally specifically say mature buck, mature coyote. We're just going to go ahead and make it fair, male, male. Uh, but I even go back and think about it, like. What about at different age classes and what about certain times of year? Cause that's usually a lot of people's response. Well, this time of year, this animal's fucking stupid because of rut. Well, coyotes go through the same thing. It may not be for the same amount of time. It may not be as bad as some fucking bucks, but coyotes kind of go through the same little thing there. They get a little stupid, you know, mm -hmm. again, it may not be for as long as some bucks will. And they, you know, the blatant disregard for, their own personal lives may not be as bad on the couch, but you have to like, we can't just narrow it down to times a year. We just got to say mature buck, mature male couch. And to throw a number on it, seven, seven. Now everybody's response is typically kind of what you said. If he made it seven years evading hunters, he's doing something. Well, not necessarily because you have this concept called survivorship bias, which is actually like a cognitive uh, a dissonance that humans experience. I was experience. getting something. Um, but I've just got to correct you on that. I, I wasn't saying that. Is it because he's a good deer? Is it because he just got lucky? Or did the coyote no, fail no, no. to kill it? Anyway, I, sorry. I wasn't seven, saying seven. that. I'm just saying. So, well, there's people listening to this. Uh, continue. That's usually their response. He made it through seven hunting seasons. 
Okay, let's break it down even further. Mature buck, mature coyote in a area that's never been hunted by man. Which one's smarter? This buck has never seen man, never smelt man, never done nothing. Do you think his his well, daily routine is anything like this deer that gets hunted every year? There's no fucking way. I don't give deer. I, I've been on ranches that that there's no hunting on, and the deer are not wary. I I don't of humans anyway. I don't. I don't give deer much respect as far as brain power. I th- I think of them more as almost like cattle, not horses. Like horses is a different thing. I I think of them more of kind of like cattle. Like they're just kind of doing their thing that they instinctually do. Yes, it would seem that some mature bucks are do things that are smart, but I, I again I go back to the instinctual thing. Now, if we place these animals out in the wild that can never be touched by man, never seen man, never nothing, hundred percent, I think the cow's still fucking smarter. <laughs> I think in that scenario the deer is going to be more fucking stupid than the deer who's made it seven years on a ranch that gets hunted every season. Cause eventually I, I get what you're going and just to play the devil's advocate, cause I'm not saying one way or another, <laughs> but the deer is still evading the other predators right. that are there. Yeah. Which is bobcats, which yep. they do kill deer y'all. I think the, it's same thing with the coyote, the pressures of man hunting them makes them a little bit smarter and i think again this deer who gets luckily he's been on a ranch that gets managed he's made it seven years old uh he's probably a little bit wiser again i don't think they think like cows do but that's just me no they don't but but you know what i mean about on the on the flip side oh yeah too yeah he's been you know that deer that just all of a sudden just turns it off yeah and he ghosts or he comes into your camera at two in the morning and you're like, what happened with this deer? But you can almost always guarantee the time of year that that happens. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost guaranteed. Like it kicks on right before Thanksgiving and it doesn't flip off until yeah. mid January. Yeah. I mean, and again, these are all just fucking thought experiments. I mean, I love to just say it's the code because I respect, you know, I do think that a coyote has a level of intelligence or just a predator in general above its prey. Yeah. Oh, well, if they've, you have to respect the fact that if they both made it to seven years of age, they're, they're doing both, something right. They're both probably, again, like he said, the law of averages shit, but uh, both of them have, they've managed to live seven years. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun coyote. He's a winner. He's a clear winner. <laughs> So we've and decided. Then, and then again, you know, some of this may be a stupid like, podcast. I, I feel like I should. Uh, I feel like I should really take up the, the defensive role of the deer, just so I can like really argue go, against it. Really go at you next time. Just, just really dive into some research and yeah. try to find. Don't because then you'll well, find I, that my, the cow is definitely the more. Well, I feel one. that way because it's like, <laughs> it's like what we're asking. Like this, this animal is like just like scouring the earth to you know envelop its prey and this one's just like <laughs> trying not to get eaten 
I'm going to eat grass today and I'm going to I'm going to run out in front out of an 18 wheeler and then just stand in the middle of the road as this thing smokes me and causes an inconvenience to everybody I'm else. I'm totally on top of my game on anything that's six foot and down. I really, man, one of these days, I hope we get somebody who's like way off into deer and just like fucking just is like, no, you're fucking wrong. I want to, maybe is that, I want is that, all those people in here. I want is to that learn. your brother? Is that? No. He won't do it? No, I mean, he, so what he's good about is everybody's good at watching the podcast and thinking things through and giving me after the fact facts. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> And like I, like I said before, uh, like I referenced before, there's flaws in everybody's logic when, as, as it pertains to this fucking Except question. for mine. <laughs> 100% right over here. Uh, but no, it's it's not... He's not so hardcore as much as we painted him. <laughs> I'm it's sure he's more of like, too. It's more of like... Oh, a, we'll get a couple of him. I'm sure he'll be all about it. <laughs> it's more of just a fun fucking topic to just discuss and which uh, well, I like what to- i didn't realize because we've talked about it try to ask everybody this is entertaining to hear people's thoughts because of that it's like spurred on this whole other thing of people like wanting to tell me their thoughts on it which is <laughs> i love it i fucking love it i think uh i enjoyed the answer with clay the most so far because it's like we all like to you know, give so much credit to the animal because like we fuck up and we're yeah. stupid. Yes. And it's like, so it's like, it's not that it's not that I did a stupid thing. It's that man, dude, that book was so smart. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I kind of like that. Everything. Answer. And he was, you know, he, that got touched on the other day as well. Uh, he's just not going to give him fucking credit because he hates him. <laughs> as yeah. far as Kyle's are concerned. Uh, it's such a fucking great topic to talk about. And and also there there was a guy posted on TPH just the other day. I basically he was the I'm gonna sum this up in a short fucking sentence. He was saying that I was full of shit. Coyotes you, are not are, smarter than fucking deer. Oh about that I don't know. But then he watched some fucking coyotes. Uh I don't even remember the complete situation. But he, and then he changed his fucking mind. Right, well the thing about that but if that if, post if you're a seasoned whitetail hunter all your experience is like with like first year pups running out, being absolutely stupid in front of the deer stand. And you're like, God, these things are idiots. Yeah. Everybody's fucking opinion is based on their past experience. Oh, hundred percent. If all you do is hunt deer and you're not where coyotes are at, you're not going to give a coyote any credit at all. No, no, but I can, I can assure you. Let's not even bring up bobcats. What'd you say? I said, don't even bring up bobcats. They're pretty fucking stupid. Curiosity. <laughs> they're, I'm not going to say they're stupid. They don't possess whatever that trait is. They don't possess the same shit as a fucking canine or coyote. They don't have the. I think <coughs> cats in general, fucking barn cats, house cats, bobcats. I'm not so sure about mountain cougars. Don't have much experience with them. They're so fucking instinctually killers. They cannot help them fucking sales, but want to kill something. No matter and if they're hungry or not. And, uh, and uh, they're so eye driven. Like something's fucking happening. I got to fucking kill it. Like them are just little killing fucking machines. They're not. And go fuck about family and all that bullshit. They just want to kill shit and fucking eat it every once in a while and do kitty cat things. And I think 
they get a bad they get called Bobcats get called stupid a lot because they make stupid decisions at nighttime. But I think you have to Well they've adapted to be like the fucking goat. Like, you know, they're you they're have so to, far advanced on all that. You have to understand that you're you're not dealing with a person. You're dealing with a fucking animal who's generations generations of certain characteristics that have been like they won and those genes got passed on down the line and that's what helped carry that species through all these how many ever fucking years this so strong that instinct to do certain things when certain things occur is so fucking strong it it takes over their thinking mind and it goes straight into kill mode because this is how these fuckers stay alive mm-hmm. so you can't just say they're stupid, even though they do stupid shit at nighttime. Well, how if their eyes didn't reflect how how many people would be killing them? It's true. I would say and thermal obviously. If they're so fucking stupid, how come you don't kill more during the day? A lot of people, a lot of people don't kill bobcats during the day. At nighttime, it's just you're you're equating stupid behavior. Except us. I mean, look at that beautiful picture over there in the middle. Uh, that was during the day. It was a bobcat. It's because we're awesome. He's got a moody look about him. You call in way more fucking bobcats than you will ever fucking see. I don't, you know. 100%. Way fucking more. I mean, you call in way more cows than you'll ever see. Again. You ever so- call in more deer than you see? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of, I got a shout out today. I'm going to mention this. Sergio went up and shot an elk. That's six, what with I was a 6'5. Bring up one ago. And uh, he was there with somebody. Wait a minute. 6'5 Creedmoor. Creedmoor, John. And you ready for this? The guy he was hunting with was using a 300 PRC. Um, our 6'5 Alley Munitions load dropped the animal on the spot. The uh, 300 PRC had to be shot again with uh, with our 6'5. So. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Match bullets, guys. Hmm. Uh, what? A match bullet killed an elk, John? That's crazy. It's crazy. It's almost like if you just, I don't know, shoot good, the bullet will do its fucking job. It was, I believe that was, a, I don't know how old the kid was. A kid did it. I think you guys can do it. I was actually having a conversation with another guy today about match bullets. And wait, wait, do you, do you disagree with the use of match bullets for hunting? This is a contentious subject for us. I think it is. Uh, <laughs> so my opinion is for, Thinner skinned animals, it's probably fine. I would not take a match bullet to Africa and want it to do it. Yeah, job. probably not. Yeah, it's kind of that's a different story. And I am so I'm very much use case dependent on larger game animals. As far as the the conversation I had today was someone was asking me about oak bullets. I said, "What fucking caliber?" They said, "Three on windbag." I said, "Stop talking to me." I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> And they're like, well, he is talking about a friend of a friend type of situation. Went elk hunting, shot an elk twice with a 300 wind mag and EODMs or some Hornady's ammo. And it got away. The problem with that is, the problem with all of these stories, how bullets don't, don't work and this and that is... You never know all the actual fucking details. It's just same thing with the fucking coyotes being smart or deer being smart. When shit don't go right, people look for something to fucking blame. And I think projectiles, bullets get blamed for a lot of shit that's probably not the fucking bullet's fault. It wouldn't have mattered what bullet was being used the day of fucking exactly. lost animal. 
And, and I think that's what happens nine times out of ten. But like you and I have discussed before, I, I'm still the mindset that I like a pass through. Yeah. Yep. And, and that just means more blood, easier to find, all, all those things. But I still have an issue with the bullet that I selected for my six uh, six five two eighty four, mm-hmm. and it, it's something that you and I t- discussed. It just does not expand. Yeah. And it's not that I'm making poor shots. Yeah. I mean they're they're hitting where they need to. The deer just doesn't die there. Yeah. It runs 150 yards, and I'm like, well, now I got to drag it. Yeah. And that that becomes yeah. more that. of a, more of a strain <laughs> on me. It's in the bullet thing is just like any other fucking subject uh so many people get attached to their fucking thing mm-hmm. and it's the fucking best because they used it once or twice and it worked the way they wanted it to and at the end of the day it comes down to the end user what they want they either want a fucking good blood trail or you know they want this characteristic they want that characteristic it doesn't matter but majority of bad luck majority i'm not saying i've seen bullets not perform and which i go down on this fucking rampant path of figuring out why and there's usually usually a reason like this wasn't an appropriate bullet for this twist barrel and so on and so forth there's usually a reason you can usually get to the bottom of it if you want to or you can just be like everybody else that bullet sucks for this because this happened but at the end of the day if i was going elk hunting and I was going to shoot an elk at 50 yards, I probably wasn't using a ELDM projectile because <laughs> that's pretty fucking close. And even a three-arm wind mag is going to be traveling at some fucking velocities at that rate. 3,000, 32, something like that. Uh, and it, it's it's not going to fare well unless you shoot it in the right fucking spot. Now, when you're that close, uh, there's... You can't go fucking wanting to pile drive fucking shoulder on the elk with ELDM that fucking close. Even, even like a traditional SST may not even fucking make good penetration that fucking close on elk shoulder. Like at that at that range, if you want complete pass through and all that shit, if you're shooting one dead in the fucking shoulder, chest on, and you want some fucking damage, you better be running like a CX or. A real fucking hardy projectile. Because that's... People don't realize... Especially them big magnum fucking calibers. 3,000 feet per second. 3,200. Depending on the bullet weight and all that bullshit. That's fucking fast. Most barrels nowadays are faster twists than what they used to be. Like, they used to be a lot slower twists. Higher RPMs. That fucking close. There's not a lot of fucking... And that's a big ass bullet traveling really fast. What do you think it's going to do when it hits something big like a fucking elk shoulder? There's not a lot of bullets that are going to be able to work very well at that fucking close of a range. Except uh, the 8.6 blackout. With a solid. <laughs> 375 but, solid. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> but you have to, you have to be honest with yourself. How far am I going to be fucking shooting? Everybody has these like, especially nowadays. These notions of I'm a fucking long range hunter and I'm gonna go out there and long range hunt and they're like says the guy my, with the long range hunter shirt and hat fucking, on. I do shoot long range. They go out there and shoot one at fifty fucking yards, but they're carrying a bullet that would perform better at long ranges. So you better <clears throat> every issue people have with fucking projectiles is typically due to a couple of things. They shot like shit, or they didn't do their fucking homework. And it's not it's 
it's no, it's not a fucking secret. You know, match woods aren't perfect for up close and stuff like that. But when you want to go long range, you better start thinking about a match bullet because at longer ranges, that motherfucker's going to mushroom perfectly where it's a solid fucking pinhole right through that bitch. Mm-hmm. If you're actually going to shoot long range, but you need to be fucking realistic with yourself and be like, I'm not really going to shoot that far, so I should probably use something that's going to work better for these closer range. It, it just boils down are to... You, are you saying people should have an idea of what they're going to do and use that yes. to inform their decisions on, yes. on options yes, and products? And it's crazy. I've had so you know, many... I think they just use more Ozonics. <laughs> <laughs> I've had so many people fucking message me. I didn't believe you at first, but these fucking bullets that you recommended flatline this motherfucking animal. And they're generally matched bullets. But we give them fucking factual information. It's not going to work here, but it's going to work perfect from here to here. If you're going to be shooting shit right up on top of them, don't fucking use match bullets. <laughs> it's that simple. But the good thing about it is once you go beyond these ranges where these other projectiles pinhole right through shit, these match projectiles are going to open up and depending on the range. It's very much depending on the range. Either travel through or create more internal damage, which is I prefer to watch the animal fall the fuck down and go over there. To it. I need some Ozonics. <laughs> Got him. Uh, sh- shout out to our sponsor. I don't even know what the company <laughs> I think that's, uh, I think we're, that's, that's two hours. Man, Damn. I wish we were goddamn it's cool. 40. We need to let you go home. Yeah, he's like, could you guys shut the fuck yeah, up I could already? fucking ramble on about this shit for hours. I've had a day. I'm just kind of on one. Well, get off one. Well, uh, you want to you sign it off? So, SCI, go to y'all's Instagram. There's a link. Yeah, at point at down. SCI. Point down. Underscore. Down here. West Texas. <laughs> Like, what does that cover? What area does that cover? It's a 100-mile radius from Midland-Odessa area. So Lubbock is Lubbock? So Lubbock used to have a chapter. Um, they do not anymore. I think the next, the, our closest chapter that we overlap with is San Angelo. And uh, there's one in Amarillo, uh, El Paso. And there's really not, not much east until you get down to uh, Fredericksburg. So, I mean, basically, it's not just about safari hunting. If you're in this area, jump on that one. If you're in other areas, join join your local club. Uh, get on the website, find out what what all they're doing and all that stuff. It's not just about safari hunting. Uh, man, we're gonna have to have you back on. We're we'll talk some more shit. We'll have to bring Aaron back on. Sounds good. <laughs> you want if you want to meet Wade, go to the next event. You know? <laughs> we'll sign on. I'm definitely going to be. And, oh, join right now if you want a hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, fucking, before the end of the, the month. Three year. Is that for all the, or is that just West Texas? It, it's for each individual chapter. They're they're given the hundred and fifty dollar gift card. Uh, for our local chapter, they have to go and click the link that's in the bio on our Instagram page. Uh, we're we're registered in SCI's. Got our email address and our SCI stuff, website, Facebook, and Instagram. So, well, we really appreciate you coming yeah. out, spend some time with us. Yeah, thank y'all for bullshit. having me. We're really glad you uh, said couch smart white tail. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>